Put your hands together, let's see what we're gonna sing. sing to God this morning. Our God, a firm foundation, our rock, the only solid ground, as nations arise and fall. Kingdoms are once strong, now shaken, we trust forever in your name. Of Jesus, yes. We trust the name of Jesus. You are the only King forever. Almighty God, we lift you higher. You are the only King forever, forevermore. You are victorious. You are the only King forever. Almighty God, we lift.
God, you're holy and mighty. Sing your praise here in this place. We praise you because you've lived for thousands of years, for millions of people, that, that we can see the truth in how you lived. So God, we thank you for that. We love you. We chase you. We sing to you. See 
And I love singing songs that declare the power of God. And so track with me for a second. So say Amy and I, this is Amy. Um, say Amy and I are walking through the wilderness and we come up upon this big ant hill. And she, for some reason, feels like she loves these ants, that she wants to give them hope in a future. And I'm saying, well, that's kind of weird, but um, if you want to give these ants hope, then you have to be one. And she's like, well, people step on them all the time and they're kind of gross. And they don't live very long, but she agrees. She says, okay, I'll be, I'll be an ant. So she agrees to be an ant to give the ants to live with them so she can show them hope in a future. So that doesn't even begin to explain Jesus putting on flesh and bone for you and me. That's, that's crazy to think about. And yet we get the privilege to sing to a God who did just that. That we can sing he's the only king worthy of our praise. The one who rescued my soul. The one who's welcomed me home. He's a beautiful name, a wonderful name, a powerful name. And so we sing to him. So would you lift your voice? We'll sing. i 
Good morning, church. Can we just give God another hand? Because what a wonderful name it is. Yep. Woo. Man, you guys sound good. You look good. And we are just really excited that you're here. And so uh, if you could pass the friendship folders, if you reach in front of you in the inside aisles and sign it and pass it down the aisle, we really appreciate that. And just we're really excited to... To celebrate with you. This is Founders Weekend here at Crossroads, so we're so incredibly privileged and thankful to have Pastor John and Joanne with us this morning. We can give a hand for them. We're super excited. Yep. A couple things to highlight. We, again, I'm just going to take a step back and just, and just say how cool it is that sometimes it's so hard to keep the door shut at this place, and it's open right now, so I can say that. And it's just, there's so many things, isn't that funny? It's so many things happening here, and we are uh, humbled. Because this is a building, people. That's all it is. Just a building. Jesus isn't existent in a building. And so we are so thankful that God would use a building, would use people in a building, his church for his glory and power. We're so excited to talk about VBS happening on July 9th to the 13th. And so there's three ways to participate. One, you could register your child or your neighbor's kid or, you know, maybe somebody at work you know of has children and say, hey, this is a safe place for your kids to have fun. It's at our church and we're, and, and this is a great time to just you know, get them involved with people in the community or maybe if they're looking to invite friends or make friends, whatever the deal is. But we can have three ways to participate. One is bring your kids. Two, you can pray. We're going to be talking about prayer this morning. Pray for all these little lives that will be sitting in the chairs that you're sitting in for a whole week and hearing about Jesus Christ. And third is you can serve or donate something. If you can go into the lobby when you leave, there's a booth out there and ask some questions about what you can do to donate. It could be paper, it could be crayons, it could be time, it could be just something behind the scenes, it could be helping out with a group, helping out with worship, whatever the deal is. There's all kinds of ways to participate. So please talk to the people at the VBS table when you leave today. And uh, also, I want to talk about the car cruise. Anybody check out the car cruise on Tuesday nights? Like all four of you. I know that's not true. <laughs> but if you could do two things for me. So we are, uh, actually, I say we. Hal Brynig is looking for cookies. Come on, we like cookies. Hal Brynig is looking for cookies. And he's also looking for people that would like to come and flip burgers and flip hot dogs. Would you please connect with Hal? Um, I'm going to say let's, Hal, I'll have people meet you over at the Welcome Center Next Steps area. If you have any questions about that, you can also email in or call into the office and we'll connect you with Hal. But if you're like, hey, I flip burgers, I flip hot dogs, it's a great way to serve our community. And so we're really excited about that. Also, August 9th through the 10th, we have an incredible opportunity to host a live uh, stream of a global leadership conference. This is a, sl- a live stream of, of uh, nonprofit leaders, church pastors, of just business leaders. And so this is a conference for business leaders and for Christians, uh, for pastors, or just people who want to grow in leadership. And so there is a special discounted price for our church members and for our tenders. And so please email in or call into the office and we'll get you that information. Uh, But we'll talk more about this as the weeks go on. But August 9th through the 10th is going to be the Global Leadership Conference. It's going to be a live stream here. There are local pastors and business leaders that have already signed up that are going to be here. It's a networking opportunity too. And so that's happening August 9th through the 10th. If you're brand new with us this weekend, you're in for a treat. This is going to be fun today. We're really excited to have Pastor John and Joanne with us this morning. So as the ushers come forward for our morning offering, I just want to remind you that if you're new with us, you're going, hey, how can I participate? 
I'm not exactly sure what this whole church thing is about, or, hey, I'm here for the first time. If you would reach in front of you in the pocket, there's a connect card and just write a prayer request down. It is humbling as a church to serve you by praying for you. And so maybe you just write your name, maybe you don't write your name, but no, we read those and we pray for them. Many people pray for them. Let that be your offering this morning. Let us as the church serve you. Let that be your offering this morning. So we're so excited to just have Pastor John and Joanne this morning with us. And so let's go before the Lord in prayer and just ask God to speak to us. God, we love you and we are humbled to just stand back and just recognize that you're always on the move. And God, we know that there are people here this morning maybe asking questions about Jesus and what it means to have life and what it means to have purpose or maybe just what it means to have hope. And God, we know that, that our community this last week has suffered. God, with the floods and the, the immense amount of water and rain that has come through our community and our city, God. And so we know that the picture that we see of cars floating by, of people just, just distraught and hurting is a greater picture of our condition as humans on this earth. God, we have issues, we have hurt. And so we, we just pray for the flood victims in our community, in our city, God. And we also pray for our country. God, we pray for those here who are wrestling for hope, grasping for something bigger than themselves and just struggling where to find that. And we know the answer is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And so God, as we continue in our service this morning, God, this is just a time we take to focus on you, but we want to make you a priority. And so God, we sang to you and now we are giving towards the mission to see lives changed by Jesus Christ. That's why we give, to see your kingdom widen. So this morning, God, as we continue and we give, we want to see your kingdom widen, to see more people's lives changed and transformed by Jesus Christ. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for kicking down the walls of our heart, for taking the mess that is our lives and flipping it and giving us a purpose and a life. We just love you, Jesus. Thank you for saving us and for rescuing us. In Christ's name. Aren't you glad to be here this morning? Let's give our God a hand. We're just so thankful for all that he's done. What a beautiful name he is. Amen. Just love that song. What a beautiful name. Uh, This morning, you're in for a treat. Uh, We have with us, we're calling this Founders Weekend. And uh, as part of Founders Weekend, uh, I'd like to just uh, recognize not only Pastor John and Joanne, but, you know, there's a few people that have been, that, that are in this church still for over 50 years. In October, this would have been Pastor John's 50th year as the pastor here. He, uh, he pastored the church as senior pastor for 47 years. Can we give God a hand for that? Let's thank God for Pastor John and Joanne. And, uh, and at, fi- at the 50-year mark here, I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, there were a few people that are still here in this church that have gone through the ups and the downs of life and are still here every Sunday. Uh, Bob Price. Is Bob out there? Wait, could you see if Bob is out there? Bob, there's Bob and Kathy. I, we want to recognize Bob. He was here 50 years ago. And, and Betty Stitch, Betty, if you would stand up. Betty has been here for 50 years, folks. And, uh, and I know Teddy Wilderman, there's a few of those guys. And, you know, it's just exciting. And how exciting it's got to be for Pastor John. He was 26 years old when he first landed here. And, 
And these guys weren't in their 80s then. Oh, Bob, I'm sorry. I didn't let that word out, all right? But, uh, I, you know, these guys weren't in their 80s. They were, they were the young people running the church and, and how exciting it was. And they started to pray and they saw people come to Jesus. And they fired up some buses and started bringing people in. And, and you know what? We get to carry on that legacy today. And so there's two things I learned from Pastor John. You know, when you learn so much by watching somebody. I learned a lot of instruction from him, but the most I learned was from watching him. And these were the two biggest things I learned as I watched him. I saw a man who was dedicated to bringing people to Jesus. That's what matters. And so today we carry that on. Our mission is to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're carrying on what he started 50 years ago in this church. And then, and then the second, yeah, let's give God a hand, man. What, what, what a legacy. What a legacy. And then, then the second thing I noticed about Pastor John was he always cared about the next generation. He always cared about young people. Wanted to see teenagers filling the church. Wanted to see children filling the church. Uh, you know, when, when I came on staff, I was 21 years old, and they, they told me I was the youth pastor. 21 years old. Can you imagine that? I remember, I, I'll never forget, one of the first trips I took, a couple parents came to me and said, are there any real adults going on this trip, okay? I'll never forget that. And I was like, well, I guess I'll have to find a few, right? But that's the kind of guy Pastor was. He cared enough about the next generation. He said, I need young people on my team. And, uh, and he let me stay for a long time. That's what I can't believe on top of it. And so can we just uh, thank God for Pastor John and Joanne this morning? What a legacy. What a legacy. Before Pastor John comes up to speak, we're going to show a short video. It's just, just kind of a trip down memory lane with uh, j- just, about, just about a minute worth of pictures of his ministry years. And then, then after we're done, let's have a round of applause and welcome Pastor John. It has been so exciting to be here this weekend. Holy cow, I am just thrilled to hear you guys sing, to see the enthusiasm of the church, your new staff members, Zach and Luke. Man, I'm excited about them being here uh, to help us uh, in in the ministry. You know, I, I want to thank the church for uh, allowing me to still be on the radio. Joanne and I have been gone from the church uh, for two and a half years, but uh, 
Many years ago, we started a weekly radio program here from the church. And that was way back in the years where they were, in order to do a program, you had this big box and you had these two reels, like this big. And uh, I remember I was doing the radio program up on the hill, up above the old church there. We rented a house because the church was growing so rapidly. We're renting houses up behind the little church. And I, I was doing a, a program on the radio and I was, the window was open and dogs were barking out and and uh, it got all over the radio program. <laughs> so we've come a long way. <laughs> but we, I'm thankful that I can still be on the radio. That program is almost 50 years old. I mean, we've been doing it for that long. And uh, if you're on Facebook, if you get my Facebook page, you can, I, I usually put the program on there and so you can listen to it anytime. Uh, you can connect through Facebook. And uh, it's amazing how many people have come up to me since uh, we were here last night in the first service and said, boy, I just listen to that program faithfully every week. And I enjoy doing it. And I tell little stories about you guys. I really do. So you, you better check it out and see, see what's going on. Uh, two and a half years ago, Joanne and I sold our house in Finleyville. We uh, lived there for, in that particular house for 37 years. We do everything long term. We do. And today uh, is our anniversary. Go ahead. Fifty six years of bliss. I remember one time in the church, I, I, uh, I, I told the congregation that we got married when uh, we were 15 years old, and Mrs. Giesman came up to me after, and you know, the church, they believe everything the pastor says, you know, that she looked at me and she says, Pastor, were you really married when you were 15? I said, no, Lois, I was just, I was just goofing around, but... Um, we're thrilled. Uh, you know, it's it's great to it's great to marry young uh, and live a long and fruitful life, and uh, get to help each other out toward the end of the journey, isn't it? Uh, Norm and Juanita are here, right in the front here. And how long were you in the church when you were here? Thirteen years. Norm was the uh, manager at Heckinger's. Boy, that that old word came back in my mind. See, when you get old, you can think back in the past like crazy. Heckingers. And uh, they came to the church, and you drove actually from Maryland to be here. From Maryland. So, thanks for coming. Yes. <laughs> They've been married 58 years. <laughs> hey, let's not get into a contest here, okay? Okay, let's open our Bibles to uh, Luke chapter 11, all right? I'd like to talk to you this morning about uh, the most important thing on earth. I know that's a pretty bold statement, but I give credit for that statement to a man whose name is E.M. Bounds. E.M. Bounds was born in 1835, and he died in 1913. Uh, 
He spent the last 19 years of his life reading, writing, praying, and working in revival ministry. His normal schedule was to get up in the morning at 4 o'clock and pray for three hours. In his book, Prayer and Praying Men, he says this, Prayer is the most important of all things on the earth. All else must be restrained, retired to give it primacy. Defeat and victory lie in this one thing. If prayer is put first, then God is put first, and victory is ensured. Prayer must either reign in the life, in your life, or must abdicate. You know, I think there are probably a lot of people in the church that would like to put prayer first. And they have this thought in the, in the back of their mind, but they're really embarrassed to speak up. But I found this disciple who came to Jesus in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Let's look at it. Now it came to pass as he was praying, that's Jesus, in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. There was one of our Lord's disciples that saw Jesus praying and it caused some interest in his heart. He was inspired to ask this question by Jesus' example. Now remember, Jesus had previously said in Matthew 6, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Uh, Go find a secret place, don't do it in public, shut the door. And when you pray, don't use vain repetitions. Don't be using a whole lot of repetitious words because they thought that they could be heard by God uh, by um, just producing words. Don't do that. Uh, And then he taught them how to pray and we know what he said I've discovered that there are about 25 events of Jesus praying in the New Testament, and they're there for a purpose, for us to hear what he said and to see what he did. Not too long ago, I was riding in an airport shuttle in Dallas, and uh, we were going from our place, Rockwell, Texas, to the Dallas-Fort Worth airport. And I looked at the guy who was driving the shuttle, and I was sure glad he was driving rather than than me. And I said, are you a Muslim? And I had to build up a little courage to say that, and I was ready to meet the Lord. (laughs) I I really was. was I thought, well, I don't know how he's going to even react to that. You know, I said, are you a Muslim? He said, yes. He said, are you a Christian? I said, yes. And we had the most phenomenal talk for about 45 minutes. And I explained to him why I believed that Jesus was the Son of God, that Jesus was God in the flesh. And I'll tell you, he was really open to the whole idea. And we just shared, and it was so great. And I said, before I got out of his van, I wrote down on a piece of paper, I said, listen, I want you to go buy this kind of Bible. And I wrote down the kind of Bible I wanted to buy. And I said, I want you to read the red letters in the Bible. And I want you to see what Jesus said about him. We call that his claims, who he claimed to be. And look at the miracles that he produced. He's a God of love. You know, the Lord always gives us these incredible opportunities to speak up for him uh, in sometimes uh, strange places. So what I'd like to do this morning is, is for us to follow my advice that I gave to him. Let's just see what Jesus did and what he said about prayer. Okay? First of all, Jesus' practice of prayer. 
I'm going to list a number of verses. You can write them down if you want to and look them up further at home. But I'm going to read them for you and just comment on them. Luke 3.21 says, When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was opened. This is his inauguration from his private life into his public ministry. Mark chapter 1, verse 35 through 38. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and when they found him, they said to him, Everyone is looking for you. But he said, Let us go down into the next towns that I might preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. Before Jesus preached, he prayed. Luke six twelve. Now it came to pass in those days that he went up into the mountain to pray, and he continued all night in prayer. Now just think of that. He continued all night in prayer. And on this occasion, he chose his 12 apostles. You know, it's really important who we have around us in the ministry, and Jesus thought it was so important that he, uh, he prayed, Lord, these apostles that you're going to give me for ministry. James Stalker is a Scottish preacher and scholar who lived long ago. He said when Jesus arrived in a town, his first thought uh, was, uh, which, which was the shortest way to the mountain. Just as ordinary travelers inquire where the most noted sites are and which is the best hotel. Jesus was praying in John chapter 17, that's the Lord's Prayer. And he said, I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you've given to me, they are yours. I do not pray for those alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's you, and that's me. Jesus was praying for future believers also. This should give us confidence today as we go out and work for the Lord, to think the Bible says he ever lives to make intercession for you and me. Matthew 26, 36, sit here while I go and pray over there. In an hour of great pain, he prayed in Gethsemane. Now, I know enough about some of the people in this auditorium this morning to know that you've had, many of you have had a lot of pain in your life. You started out and you thought everything was going to be great, and then the pain came. And, and uh, you know, we do really well when pain comes in our praying, don't we? Well, that's when we're supposed to run to God when uh, the painful experiences of life take place. Uh, in Luke chapter uh, 22, verse 32, Jesus showed us the example of Peter, what to do when Satan comes against us or someone we know. He says, I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail. Now just think, Jesus prayed for Peter that his faith would not fail. Yeah, he, he faltered some, but his faith never failed. In Luke 23:43, in the last moments of our Lord's life, he hung on the cross. And you know what he said, Father, what? Forgive them, for they know not what they do. And then finally, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. The habit of prayer was Jesus' first priority. What is prayer? Prayer is communion with, with God. And the... Uh, his example of prayer throughout the New Testament should evoke in us the same reaction that it did for his disciple in Luke chapter 11. We should go to the Lord and say, Lord, teach us to pray like John the Baptist taught his disciples to pray.
And so let's say that this morning as a church. Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. One more time. Lord, teach us to pray. And that, that is a statement that we want to be in communion with God. We want to have fellowship with him. We just don't want to be a person that goes through life and God is way out here on the edge of our life. We want God right at the center of our life. E.M. Bounds calls Jesus the Christ of prayer. He modeled prayer, he depended upon prayer, and he commanded prayer. Now, let's see one of our Lord's incredible promises of prayer. Now, if you have your Bible, you can open it on your lap, and we're going to go through a few verses now, and uh, you, all in the book of John. John 14, first of all, 12, 13, and 14. On the night before his death, he gave his final instructions. In verse 12, we're in John 14. Uh, he says this, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, underline the word ask. If you like to underline things, I love to write in my Bible. I have writings everywhere. Most of them I can't understand, but I, I feel good about writing it down. Ask in my name that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask, there's the second thing. Ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, he mentions here greater works in the future. What he's saying to his disciples is big things are on the horizon. The Holy Spirit is coming. Believers are empowered. Peter has incredible boldness. Uh, he's not the same Peter he was when he denied the Lord. And the result of his message on the day of Pentecost was the launching of the church. Works of conversion, that's what it's talking about, greater works, compassion. You know, today it's church groups going on summer mission trips to do incredible works in the name of Jesus, expanding the sphere of Christ's influence. When traveling in airports in the summer, you always see church groups, don't you? They have their t-shirts on. And uh, we have done this many times in this church to different foreign lands. You know, we all have our colored T-shirts. Every day we get a new color on the, on the mission for it. Sometimes it says Ecuador or bust. Uh, it might be Nairobi, here we come. Whatever it is. But it's so neat to see these church groups in the airport moving through. They're all excited. They're going to go to the mission field to spread the word of God. And then when they come back, we say, hey, now listen, let's go to the south side and spread the word of God. And uh, let's go down, downtown or the Hill District, and spread the word of God, just like you did in Ecuador. Uh, that's what's happening. Greater Works is pastors going to big and little towns to carve out a church that will continue for generations. It's missionaries going to uncharted territory and spending a lifetime like the indomitable Adoniram Judson. Have you heard that name? You know, he turned down a flourishing church in Boston to go to a wretched place called Burma. And it was there, it took him six years to win a soul to Christ in Burma. And you know what he said? He said, I will not leave Burma until the cross is planted here forever. He gave up his life for that purpose. His conception of success and ours are two different things. His was a ministry of faithfulness and ministry of power in the Spirit, leaving the results to God. Uh, you know what he said about prayer? Listen to this. He said, I never prayed sincerely and earnestly for anything, but it came at some time, no matter at how 
distant a day. Somehow, in some shape, probably the least I would have devised, it came. Oswald Chambers hits the nail on the head when he says, prayer does not prepare us for a greater work. Prayer is the greater work. I love that. Now, I can visualize the disciples saying after Jesus said, listen, you just got to ask in my name. I could visualize them saying, boy, that, we've never heard that before. Ask, pray in Jesus' name. This was a new thought to them. They had never prayed before in Jesus' name. And it simply means that we pray for the things that Jesus desires. And also pray for the glory of God. And I think this is, this is so key. Uh, a number of years ago, there was a young, young father that was saved in our church. And one of the older men uh, put his arm around this young, young man and his family and uh, was going to teach him. He was going to be his mentor. And so he said he was going to teach him how to read the Bible, how to go on a visit, how to pray with somebody, how to do these things that are important in God's work. And so after a period of time, this young guy came back to his mentor, and you know what he said? He said, God has answered all my prayers. Now, whenever you tell a veteran Christian that, they kind of like roll their eyes and say, well, he'll get over that. And, and so the mentor said, what do you mean God's answered all your prayers? He said, uh, God saved my marriage. God gave my kids a new attitude. And he went down the list. And they were all things that brought glory to God. They were all things. Now, I discovered uh, something important here. Ask in Jesus' name. That's significant. This is the key. Uh, I got a, an email from a missionary uh, on the foreign field, actually from Korea. And he said, my prayer life is not what it should be. What should I do? And I wrote back, ask God to make you the best prayer you can be. Not the best one you've ever heard about. Not, not anything you've ever seen or heard. Just the best one that you can be. Just pray that prayer. I think it starts there. And I think that's the, that's the prayer that all of us should ask God. Lord, make me the best prayer I can be. I don't have to pray like Pastor John. I don't have to pray like Pastor Ken or Zach or Luke or Al Finney or Jim Watts. Uh, just make me the best I can be, God. That's what I want. Uh, and then you can add to it, and I, I want you to take some notes here on this, okay? Make me the best prayer I can be, and then make me the best person of praise that I can be. You know, I didn't know much about praising the Lord until I prayed that prayer, and now I know a whole lot more than I did. Uh, and especially for those who are in the music ministry, Lord, make me the best person of praise that I can be. Uh, Lord, when I, when I lead, uh, Lord, to make something happen spiritually. Uh, and, and God will answer that prayer. Then make me the best person of confession and repentance. You know, we can't get ahead if we're burdened by guilt. You know that? And we have to unload this guilt on a daily basis. And when we do that, we come to God and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I'm really messed up here. I, I goofed up here. I'm, I, I just said the wrong thing. Please forgive me for that. God lifts that guilt off of us so that we can run again. And then make us, Lord, a, a best person of thanksgiving. You know, I'm kind of addicted to this, this whole idea of praise and thanksgiving. Uh, I, I, I just brought a few papers that I have in my prayer journal uh, to show you this morning. Uh, these are the things. I, every day I put a, an entry in here about things for which I praise and thank the Lord. Sometimes they're just really simple. I thank you, Lord, for the health that we do have. 
I thank you, Lord, uh, that, uh, that you've given us another day to serve you, and I like to write that down, other things. And, uh, and then I look back to the, to the previous day, and I say, oh, Lord, I want, I want that. I want to tell God again. I want to thank him there. And, oh, oh yeah, I don't want to forget that. Lord, I thank you up here. And these are, these are previous days. And then I'll turn the page. And sometimes I just go on and on and on. And I, I just thank the Lord. And I think it's just, it, it's addictive, really. It's addictive. Uh, and it's so good for the soul. It's so good for the soul. Because you know what? You're going to forget one of these significant things and you're just going to skip skip these things because your life is so busy and so when we write these things down it makes all the difference in the world uh, just pray Lord make me the best person of thanksgiving and praise that I can be and then you can pray Lord make me uh, this is what I do uh, Lord make me the best person of fasting that I can be I've fasted two days a week for the last 13 years. I started out one day a week. And I think my body liked it. I didn't like it too much, but I think my body liked it. And I thought, boy, this is really good. I can think more about God when, I, when I'm not thinking about the next meal. And then I said, you know, I like this so much, I'm just going to add another day. And so for the last 13 years, that's what I've done. And uh, I'll tell you, it's been great. Uh, you know, Jesus said in the Bible, when you fast, he said, listen, this is what I want you to do. Don't, don't broadcast it. And I, I don't do that out of pride. I just, this is not out of pride. I just do that to say, hey, listen, this is something that will really help you connect with God. Okay. Well, in verse number 14, you'll notice there, I will do it. Those words are emphatic in the original language. Just ask in Jesus' name for the glory of God, and I will do it. Look to John 15, 7 and 8. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit so that you will be my disciple. Much fruit involves a life of answered prayer. If you only wrote down one thing on your notes this morning, that's the thing to write down. Much fruit involves the life of answered prayer because prayer executes the promises of God. When we see a promise of God, we, we claim it as our own. Lord, this is mine. I want this prayer. This is my prayer. You've given it to me. And it executes God's promises. John fifteen sixteen, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should remain. And whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Ask in my name. It's not a mystical thing that we put on the end of the prayer in the name of Jesus. It's a statement that Jesus is our mediator. There's more. John 16, 23 and 24. And in that day you will ask for nothing. Most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Verse number 24 Four, the word ask there is in the imperative present tense. And what that means is that's a command. And so Jesus said to his disciples, listen, I command you. I want you to ask for things. Don't go to someone else when you have a need. Come to me. And if it's in my name and for my glory, I will do it. Then finally, John 16, 26 
In that day you will ask in my name and I will do not say to you that I shall pray the Father for you. Ask in my name. You know, we have through the years looked forward to Easter so we could talk about the seven last sayings of Christ on the cross. I can't tell you how many Easter's I talked about that. People came to church and they said, oh, no, not again. Uh, I know Pastor Ken did that just this Easter. He talked on the last seven sayings of Christ upon the cross. Well, you know, I have just given you this morning the last seven promises of Jesus about prayer. We've overlooked that, I'm sure. But this is significant because this is the eve before Christ is crucified. Now, that leads us to this point, believers' priority of prayer. You know, communion with God needs to be our highest priority. I think we all agree with that. And it means making a divine appointment and keeping it. And what is a divine appointment? It's a time that you shut the door, close the, close the door, shut out the world, and give God full attention. Corey Tin Boone said one time, don't pray to God when you feel like it. Make an appointment with the king and keep it. And I thought that's really good. Because, you know, if we don't, we don't feel like praying, sometimes we're so busy, we, our life is so packed. And, and so Corey to Moon says, just make an appointment with God. Put him on your appointment book. Twenty-five years ago, I got our Sunday school teachers together here in this church, in this building, downstairs. And I said, let's get our prayer life organized, okay? First of all, let's make a divine appointment. When are you going to pray to the Lord tomorrow? Is it going to be 5 o'clock in the morning, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, wherever? Whenever you get up, just put God first on that. And then record the time. Okay, 6.45, I'm starting to pray to the Lord. And I'm working through my prayer journal. Record the time and increase the time. And we had a motto. And our motto was this. The right way to pray is to write it all down. Because you know if you don't write it down, you can't remember the things to pray for. It's as simple as that. So you go out of the church today and somebody taps you on the shoulder and says, Oh, my uncle's having an operation today. Would you pray for him? Now, what do you say? For sure I will. Sure. So you come back to church next week. And his person runs up to you and says, Oh, thanks for praying. You had no clue. No clue. And so the right way to pray is to write it all down. Well, uh, we're creating a written record. Um, I told uh, that little group that met our Sunday school teachers it was going to be my goal to pray an hour a day, five days a week as a pastor. Pastors have to pray for more things. They have more people. They're involved with more lives. It's a tough job. And so it wasn't long before I was praying an hour a day. Uh, and God has helped me to do that now for 25 years. Uh, when, when our church began to, uh, to do that, all sorts of neat things began to happen. I remember one Sunday, two families walked into the foyer of our church. You think our foyer is small now? It was smaller then. Uh, two families walked into the foyer of our church, and you know what they said? Both of them said this, I'm looking for God. Now, how often would something like that ever happen? Two families saying the same thing, I'm looking for God. It was Sunday school time. And so we put them in the new believers class by faith. We knew they were going to become new, but they're searching for God. They came to the right place. When you come to this church, it's the right place. So we put them in the new believers class, and on Sunday night, we had two of our families go to their house 
That was when you could do it without getting shot. Two of our families went to their house and won both of those families to Christ. They came back to church. One was a doctor in a Pittsburgh hospital. And uh, he told me, he says, you know, I'm going to go visit my mother in Japan in three months and tell her that I've found the real God. How about that? All sorts of cool things began to happen in the church. Ken and Rhonda had the youth ministry at that time. And uh, Ken took uh, our prayer journal and the instructions that, that we gave and uh, had all the young people doing that. They met in Ken's house on Sunday night and they prayed for souls. Now, isn't that a novel thing? They prayed for souls by name. And they would go around the room and they would talk to each other. Mary, how, did, uh, how, do, how was your interaction with, with uh, Bill or Ann today? And they would say, oh, that's terrific. Keep praying for her. And they'd go around the room and they had a concert of prayer for for teenagers in our community, in these schools out here. And kids started coming to Christ in this church. And they filled that little building over there on Piney Fork Road. It overflowed with kids. Kids were coming to Christ. Parents were coming to Christ. These kids were coming to church. And it was because they were taking God at His word. You know, prayer gives wings to ministry. And I know most of us in this auditorium in some way are in the ministry. Peter, fresh from a prayer session in Acts chapter 1, took on new life, spiritually energized. He was. He was filled with the Spirit. And let me say, you can't have spiritual success unless you're filled with the Spirit. And you can't be filled with the Spirit unless you are in communion with God. And so when we are in communion with God, the effect of that is the filling of the Spirit. You know, what, what I've been talking about this morning is summarized in Acts chapter, chapter 4, verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak the word of God with boldness. They prayed, they were filled, and then they went out to minister. God-powered ministry, that's what we need in the church. Not just going through the motions, not just showing up because it's time to come to the class, uh, not just doing things because I have to do it, because, but doing things because I want to do it. I'm passionate about it. Well, let's last of all consider the believer's history of prayer. If I were to ask you this morning to write a history of prayer about your life, what, it, what would it read like? What would it look like? Would it reflect a growing experience in communion with God? Or would it be like uh, a person who told me one time, all my answers to prayer are old? You know, we all have a prayer history. And people have prayed for us. Our mothers, our fathers, our grandparents, our, our uncles, our aunts, our co-worker, the guy that works beside me, he pray, he's praying for me. Wally Knowles in our first service. Uh, Wally was raised in a... In a Christian home, his mother drug him to church. That's back in the days when parents drug kids to church. You know that? Drug him to church. He never made a decision for Christ, but he knew about Christ. He came to this church, and somebody came up to him and said, Wally, I'm praying for you. And he said that was the thing. It hit him. Just like that, he came to Christ. He was sitting right down here in the first service. Uh, it, it jarred him to know that somebody was praying for him. He, his mother was praying for him. 
His friends were praying for him. And then when he came here, other people were praying for him. We all have a history of prayer. My mother, when I was growing up at home, my mother would say to me, John, I'm praying you become a preacher. I said, oh, Mom, please don't do that. Please don't. I, know, I didn't want to do that. She would not be dissuaded. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous mother avails much. A number of years ago, over in the Oakland section of Pittsburgh, I met Dr. Kaplan. I think he was about 93 years of age. He was honored as the oldest practicing doctor in Pittsburgh. What a wonderful guy. He had a prayer history. Now listen, I'm telling you, everybody's got a prayer history. I was just one of his patients, and I began to pray for him. And through the years, many of his patients prayed for him and witnessed to him. He was a doctor in World War II, and he told me that he was in charge of making the decision when somebody was wounded whether they would go on the airplane to, to, to find help or they were too badly injured, they had to stay behind, there was no hope. He had to make that decision. And I said, Doc, do you ever think about that? He said, 24-7 I think about that. What a wonderful man he is. And so I began to make a friendship with him. And I said, listen, Joanne and I, uh, Joanne and I uh, take trips to Israel. And he was impressed with that. I said, have you ever been to Israel? He said, no, I've never been to Israel. Uh, I said, uh, Jesus is the Messiah. I'm sure he'd heard it before. And uh, I started talking about Jesus being the Messiah of the Old Testament. And so one day I was in his office and he was examining me. And you know when they do that, they, they put the stethoscope on. Please don't ever get talk loud when they have that stethoscope. One doctor almost pushed me off the table. I, I got too loud. I, I guess it, I didn't know it did that. It amplifies your voice. But anyway, Dr. Kaplan, he was doing his thing with his stethoscope. And uh, his face was right here. And I began to think about Isaiah 53. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before his shearers is silent, yet he opened not his mouth. That just came out of me. Just like that. And you know what he said? He said, Reverend Arnold, I want to go to your church. I never invited him to our church. He said, I want to go to your church. He says, just give me the directions to your church. Now remember, he's in Oakland. There's no way to get from here to there. I mean, can you? And when you're over 90 on top of it, there's just no way. And I said... Uh, I said, Doc, no, no, that won't work. I said, let us send somebody from the church to pick you up. He said, okay, that'll work. So we sent Glenn Moss. Glenn lived in the south side at that time. Glenn was happy to go pick him up. He picked him up. He came to church. What a sharp guy, man. He was, he's awesome. I think he's still living at 100. And uh, he t I saw, I looked him up online. I saw he teaches a course in a Jewish place over there in Oakland on on Jewish history and the Bible, or medicine and the Bible. Uh, and so he came to church, and everybody, I told people, hey, the doctor's coming to church today. I had them all ready. And all oh, they just they just hugged him and made him feel like the king, and he sat right down here in the front. 
And we sang that song. Remember the days of Elijah? Do you remember that, Zach? That was a, kind of a crazy song. It was a real kind of wild, the days of Elijah. And, you know, he's of the Old Testament. So that fit perfectly with him. And, uh, and so he's singing the days of Elijah. And I said, let's um, open your Bible to the book of Revelation. So he reached under the chair, pulled out a Bible, book of Revelation. I said, it's the last book in the Bible. I saw him. So we're going through the service. And I see him about halfway through the service. He put his head down like this in his hands. And I didn't know what he was doing. I thought maybe he was asking God for forgiveness for coming to this church. Because, you know, Jewish people don't do this. They don't come to churches like this. They, they go to church earlier in the week, the synagogue. But after the service was over, everybody was happy. They were saying, hey, you're the pastor's doctor. You're the guy that keeps him so healthy. He walked out into the foyer, and some lady of the church says, how did you like the service? Now, that's kind of a loaded question, you know, that what's he going to say? She said, how'd you like the service? He said, I didn't. I loved it, he said. I loved it. So then he was walking back through the hall, down here in that last Sunday school room on the left, and I heard him say, Jesus is my Savior too. Now listen. All your life, you go to the synagogue. And all your life, you hear that Jesus is a false prophet. God did her work in his heart, and so we made a friendship, and so we would call back and forth, and we would talk from time to time, and when we talked on the phone, I would say, Doc, let me have a prayer for you, and I would pray, and he had a place in Florida, and he'd call me from Florida, he'd say, how you doing, Reverend Arnold, and I said, oh, we'd talk, and I said, let, let me pray, and uh, I prayed for him, and he said, now, let me pray for you, let me pray for you. Well, uh, it was a wonderful thing. Uh, there are doctors in your life, there are mechanics you work for on your, that work on your car, people who check you out at the grocery store. Uh, you can be a part of their prayer history. A lot of people are praying for them. You know that? A lot of people join them. Uh, how do you transition a church after you've been there for 45 years? I remember that meeting we had. Uh, I said, fellas, I'm going to transition the ministry. I didn't know what that meant. We'd never done that before. And somebody said, well, what does that mean? What are we going to do? Uh, and uh, I said, well, let's just pray about it. And I wasn't trying to be facetious about it at all. I said, let's just pray about it. Lord, Lord will show, show us what to do. And that's a, that's a strategic time in the life of a church. And so we began to pray, and I, you know, I've always been very jealous of the pulpit. I have seldom ever had guest speakers in. I just like to do my thing up here. And, uh, and so Al Finney started helping me preach, and Ken helped me preach, and it kind of worked out that Ken preached every third Sunday here in the church. And after he preached, I would uh, go up and tell him all the stuff he did wrong. <laughs> I, I did. I did. It was one of the worst experiences of Ken's life. It really was. It, it really was. If you say, Ken, what's a bad experience in your life? He'll say that. Uh, I would come with my list, and I'd say, Ken, where'd you get that illustration? Please forget that. Uh, and things like that, you know, helpful, helpful hints. Uh, and boy, as, as the weeks grew on, 
Ken just got bolder. Now, I should have known that he could do this thing. I should have known. I didn't know that. Because, you know, when he would take youth groups in the church, he would preach on the streets of New York City. Can you believe that? I've never done that. He would preach. He has a boldness. And so he got better and better every week. And I thought, man, I started to think, I like to hear his preaching more than mine. And so God made it plain for us. He's the guy. Before, I thought maybe a guy would walk in the door back there with a big sign, I'm the new guy. I don't know where my head was because the guy was already here. Now, who is this guy? Ken came to this church. Rudy Orwick was here last night. Rudy was a bus driver in the Brooklyn, Brookline section of Pittsburgh. He brought Ken on a bus when he was seven years old, and he accepted Christ in this building, gave his heart to God. He had very, he, yes. He gave his heart to Christ. He had very little encouragement at home. He has a wonderful mother, and she was here in the first service. He's an angel. But they had a tough, tough life at home. It was hard, hard, uh, and you don't even want to think about it. You don't want to put yourself in their shoes. But Ken did this all on his own. He came to church regularly because Rudy Orwig gave him donuts on the bus. <laughs> That's the going joke in the church, folks, by the way. And so Ken got up. He bounced out of bed on Sunday, and got on a bus and he came to church and he he went on he went on mission trips with us as a teenager to Haiti and then he said I feel called to go to the Word of Life Bible Institute in Scroon Lake New York and he went there and graduated and then he transferred to Liberty University and he got two master's degrees from Liberty University and God made it very plain to us that yes Ken is the guy he can do this job uh, about a year after I left the church, I called back to Jim Watson. I said, Jim, how are things going at the church? Jim says, they are tremendous. Attendance is up. Offerings are up. I said, Jim, let's talk about something else, okay? You know, come on. I, let's just get off of that subject. Come on. Not really. I, I am so proud of Ken and Rhonda. Because they not only have taken this place, they've taken this church to a new level. It really has. And it's on the go. And people are coming to Christ all the time in this church now. Ken has a passion for souls. Uh, how did that happen? Well, we had a guy in the church. I'm almost done. We had, we had a guy in the church. His, his name was Matt Pettigrew. Matt was a three-hour-a-day prayer. Very few people knew that. He was a three-hour-a-day prayer. He met Ken when he was seven years old, and he said, I'm going to pray for you every day. And so he prayed for Ken every day, uh, beginning when he was seven years of age. And so now Ken is the lead pastor of our church. Um, Matt Pettigrew prayed for Ken. Ken had a prayer history, didn't you? You had the man who lived in Bethel Park, who was a rough guy. He beat up people in bars before he found Christ. And when he found Christ, he was a new creature. He became a prayer warrior. Now, there's just one other thought, and I'm done. Now, this will, bl this will blow your mind. Matt Pettigrew's wife, Mary, was a patient of Dr. Kaplan. A patient. 
Everybody was talking to Dr. Kaplan. Who's talking to your doctor? Let's bow our heads in prayer. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning, let me say that the first prayer that God wants to hear from you is the prayer of salvation. You know, you are not here by accident this morning. You're here on purpose. Somebody prayed for you, really. One young girl came up to me in the first service and said, I drive to this church from the airport area, Robinson Township, because I've found something here, found something real. I call this real church. If you're here and your life is broken and you need a Savior, Jesus is right here in this room this morning. In the quietness and the, of your seat, you can call on him. Just say, Lord, forgive me. I'm a broken person. I'm a sinner. Wash away my sins. I repent of my sins. I turn away from them and I turn to you because you're the Savior and I want you in my heart today. Come in. Send your spirit. Just reach out to him in simple faith and he'll come into your life. If you're here today and you've just been dabbling in prayer, you, you've heard about it, you know about it, but you've never really started to journal your journey. You don't have many records of people you're praying for. This can be a changing spot in your life today. Why don't you just say, Lord, make me the best prayer I can be. If you pray that prayer, God will help you. just thank you so much for the message that you gave to your man this morning, Lord. We thank you for Pastor John. We thank you for his passion for, for souls. We thank you for his passion to commune with God Almighty. Lord, I pray that this will be a challenge to our church today for, uh, for, for those that come from far and near today, Lord, that uh, you'll help us to refocus our, our attentions and our affections upon that beautiful name of Jesus. Lord, you are so worthy to be praised. In your name we pray, amen. This morning, if you trusted Christ, if you pray with Pastor John, I'd like to ask you, just stop by our Next Steps booth. Just tell him, say, hey, today I made Jesus personal. I invited him into my life. And uh, we'll take your name. We'll, we'd like to follow up with you and help you find a, uh, a relationship with Jesus and help you uh, lay a foundation of that in your life. Secondly, today on your way out in the table in the back of the foyer here, uh, in the back of the auditorium, there, we have these little books. These are just little journals, prayer journals, and uh, they're free. I want to encourage everybody to take one. Maybe you say, well, I had one. I've started one, and maybe today is a day to refocus on one. And so I just want to encourage you. There's little instructions in there how to get started like Pastor John does, to write down those prayers and, and, to, uh, and, and to just make a list and begin to pray and meet with God and develop and grow that. So I want to encourage you, grab one of those. They're free for the taking on the back there. Aren't you glad you were here today? Let's give our God a hand, man. What a great God we serve. What a beautiful name, the name of Jesus. I just can't get that out of my head. 
Tonight for the pastor to lead a song, what a beautiful name. Help me out, Zach. You ready? What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. Stand with me. What a wonderful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus, amen. This morning as we close, I'm going to ask uh, Caleb York, Caleb and Amanda to come and join me. Caleb has been our student pastor here for the past four years. You know, Pastor John has uh, has a legacy. You know, a lot of, the, a lot of guys that have come have uh, gone out in the ministry. Seth Boer, one of our own young guys, uh, I just heard recently is, is going to be a pastor at a church nearby in McMurray. Can we give God a hand for that? We just thank God for these young men that are going out and doing his work. Caleb uh, came here when Pastor John was still here, and he's been here with us for four years. And in that time, he added to his family. There were three, now there are five. And uh, I guess five is enough, right? So uh, we're, we're just thanking God for the years that we had with Caleb here. And he's going out. God, God's called him to uh, Columbus, Ohio. They're going to start a church called Discovery City Church. So we want to send him off in prayer. And would you uh, just say a, a brief word? just want to say thank you guys so much. You have been an amazing church family here this past four years. And just, I mean, you guys have supported the youth ministry and uh, what God was doing through that just continue to pray for the youth as God has greater things in store for the future for them. But we ask for you to continue to pray for our families. We go start this brand new church. We've got our team on the ground. We're the next ones moving in tomorrow. We're moving into town tomorrow and we're going to hit the ground running, telling people about Jesus. And so just be praying for us. God has been opening the doors. Just pray that he continues to open the doors, continues to direct us the way that he, uh, he sees fit. And uh, through all of it, we're giving God the glory for all this because he's just an amazing, amazing God. So thank you. Continue to pray. We love you guys. Amen. Let's give God a hand. And so we're going to close our service in prayer, sending him off. Our, uh, God's given us another youth pastor going to be joining our team in a few weeks and we'll be sharing and welcoming him shortly here but as we send Caleb and Amanda off will you join me in prayer shall we let's pray God our our God we come before him we just thank you for Caleb and Amanda we thank you for the four years that you allowed them to be a part of our team here for the teen, teenagers' lives that have been changed, for adults' lives that have been changed as, as they built relationships. They've been part of our family here for, for the past several years, Lord. Uh, they've been my neighbor right across the street, Lord. It's been a joy to, uh, to love on them and to share in the ministry together. But God, as you've called him into the ministry, you've called him to, to plant a church now, we ask your blessing upon Caleb, Amanda, and these five kids, Lord. We just lift them up. We ask that you'll, you'll do great things, Lord. And this time next year, we want to hear great reports of souls coming to Jesus out in Columbus and a new church that has, has put the flag up for Jesus in Columbus. So God, is, uh, our, we know our mission of the church is to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We look forward to, uh, to the days as we spread your word all around this city where we'll be planting churches as well. But God, we send Caleb and Amanda out now from our little church here with a great big God. And Lord, I ask that you allow our people to put 
put Caleb and Amanda in their prayer journal. And let's begin to pray them. Pray the kingdom power of God upon their ministry. For it's in your precious name we pray. Amen. Let's give them a hand. We thank God for these guys. Folks, can we thank God for Pastor John and Joanne as well? We just are so thankful for these folks. Please uh, join us in the gymnasium. We have a light lunch for you over there, just some hot dogs and chips. But uh, we just want to have an excuse to hang out together. And uh, please come over to the gymnasium, meet Pastor John and Joanne, uh, greet the, the Yorks as, uh, as they are, they're loading up the truck today still, and uh, they've got a lot of fun things going on. And uh, greet those around you. We're glad you're here today. God bless you. You are dismissed.